Hi, this is Doug Jones, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I know! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It will make us duty to tell us the truth. Confess and take that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to all people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. From the Centripetal Force Debunking Project and all the bar on sub-level 6, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 315, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying a watermelon iced coffee, not nearly as disgusting as it sounds, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, an abbreviated cast of the Gang of Five, in the Acton TARDIS, a resurfacing plant, our technical anarchist, it's our own button-pushing, keyboard-clacking girl genius, this week with extrasonic screwdriver, Kriana. I just added rainbow racing stripes. Cool. From the stacks of her personal place in the Dank Dungeons Industrial Card Catalog, Unfolding and Desalinization Plant, she befriends robots all along the East Coast and unfriends inhuman Facebook stalkers. Welcome, Zombrarian. Welcome, mute button, Zombrarian. I've, no, I've just got nothing tonight, you guys. I made <laughs> soda, actually. Like, that was the most exciting part of my week, and now I've shared it with all of you. Well, you technically brewed it, right? I did. I brewed soda. Ginger beer. Ginger Ooh. beer. You can be more specific, and it gets more interesting. See how that I works? could, but hey, there was hey, a Zombrian, robot. Hey, what did you do this week? You know what? I already made the reference, so we can move on. <laughs> Our guests tonight are a pair of very, very interesting and opinionated authors. It's a pleasure to welcome Janice Samanoff and Susan Jane Bigelow to the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, well, you've been doing the pre-show now for like 15 minutes, and I'm amazed you're still here. But that's <laughs> I'm still <okay>. around. <laughs> we, were, we were having a discussion slash argument slash... Why uh, does my, my, always think I'm arguing? I don't understand. Um. Oh, I don't know. What do you think, Zombrian? Bite me. Her confrontational tone of voice. That might be it. What do you think? You know what? <laughs> I'll give you a confrontational tone of voice. You are right now. I, yeah, pretty I, much you are. Thanks. That was... Never mind. We know. It's that sarcasm we've all come to love and, and know. And, and know. Love? It, you know. <laughs> question mark? You reside in the... Oh. Uh, by way of quick introduction, Janice Amanoff who uh, is an MIT alumni graduate of the Clarion Workshop and Odyssey Online. Uh, that's uh, quite amazing, to be honest with you. Spent 18 years as a technical and science writer, taught in the Boston Public Schools. Thank you for your service. Oh. <laughs> developed, uh, developed a STEM curriculum uh, and uh, taught something called Preschool Chef, a cooking class for children three to five. Uh, 
That's, because that's I'm insane. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. You're going to fit right the hell in. That's perfect. <laughs> no, I was going to say. You. And opinionated. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Susan J. Bigelow is a fiction writer, political columnist, and librarian, uh, mainly writing science fiction fantasy, uh, the X, Extra Human Union series, and short fiction has appeared in little places called, uh, like, Strange Horizons, uh, Lightspeed Magazines, and... Uh, I the feel collection. Like it's and I can just go at this point. There's like <laughs> better versions of us, so. Uh, yeah, and, and Lambda's award winning the collection short fiction from the transgender vanguard. Right. Uh, welcome. Like, literally. Thanks. Yeah, no shit. Welcome, ladies. Thank oh, you. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, kind of the reason you're here is because the two of you collaborated on a Kickstarter with two books that bear no resemblance to each other. <laughs> wasn't our idea, but we liked it anyway. Uh, I kind of like the idea that there are two books that, you know, I keep hearing Elmo in the background going, three of these things belong together, but one of them doesn't. But it's not. It's These, these two books have nothing in common except that uh, they're both kind of incredible. Well, good to hear oh. that. Wow, thank you. <laughs> uh, we were lucky enough to get uh, review copies uh, a week and a half ago. I had a chance to kind of sit down and, and read sections of both of them. And uh, can, I, can I just say wow? Uh, really... Yes, absolutely. You no, can well, say okay. wow. Please keep up the wow. We like the wow. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the two books. Uh, the Demon Girl Song and A Witch's Kitchen. Uh, they're both would be considered, I guess, young adult. Right. No. Actually, A Witch's Kitchen is considered middle grades. It's aimed for kids uh, ages 8 to 12. Have we stratified things that heavily now? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, Oops. yes. Okay. I'm out of my element already. Aren't I? <laughs> well, look, Dom, when you're that young, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, you taught school. Think think you hard about English. I taught English for 20 about years. About the differences between, awesome. say, an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old. It's Remember how Think about, I, about why we might stratify it's that. It's vast at that age. It's giant. It it's a, a yawning abyss of difference. <laughs> and Dome, bless you for teaching English for 20 years. That's impressive. I only taught it for three years, and I had to run away. Well, uh, actually, the, that was kind of the, the terms of my uh, incarceration. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a long... I don't even know what he's saying half the Dude, time, I feel like. I taught it for six weeks during a summer program, and that was enough for me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I understand the feeling, you know, it was 20 years and they were 17 really good and three incredibly awful, but, you know, it's what it is. So, okay, so let's start, Susan, with Demon Girl's song. Sure. Um, it's the little engine that could for the paranormal. <laughs> okay. Talk to us about what the book is about. So the book is about... Um... It's a fantasy story set in an, an alternate world, um, and it's about Undine Delrovi, who gets uh, she's a seventeen-year-old girl who wants to go to university, um, 
Oops, I had flipped them. Never mind. That was, oh. a, that was a dead wrong comment that I made about your book. I'm sorry. Do you want <laughs> to talk about... No, no, no. Please, go on. <laughs> I, can, I can wait. No, no, please. All right. So, yes, this is... Um, it's, it's a young adult epic fantasy novel. The time period is sort of Victorian, Edwardian. Uh, there's little steampunk elements here and there, but the plot of the book is that she gets, uh, through no fault of her own, a thousand-year-old demon stuck in her, her head, and she has to sort of share space with it. And the book is about how she deals with that and how she tries to get rid of it and what happens thereafter. So that's the story. Um, and it takes place over uh, the span of an entire world. It goes, uh, she travels quite a lot. Um, and I don't want to give anything else away, but that's, that's the start of it. Is this book the first in a series? Or, uh, no, this is a standalone, which is unusual for me. I usually write series, but this one stands by itself. Where did the idea for this come from? It actually came from uh, a lot of different places, but from mostly when I was young, I used to spend a lot of time hanging out in a swamp, uh, which I think is a pretty good place to start. And that when I was a kid, I would be by myself a lot, and I would go out and I would play in the swamp behind the house. And I started naming the swamp and having fantasy adventures back there and all that kind of stuff. And the worlds that I created back there in that that nasty industrial runoff kind of place. <laughs> no, really, there were like drums. Oh, things. No. Uh, oh. Yeah. It was right behind a gigantic industrial area in New Britain, Connecticut. And so it was right behind all these places. And they, of course, were chucking all their garbage back there. But that that's beside the point. Um I started coming up with a world to describe all the places that I went and explored. And that world was sort of the seed for this. So you've been and building this world for 20 years. A really years. long time, let's yeah. say. Yeah. So <laughs> this is something that's been kicking around in my head uh, for quite some time. And I did want to write a story set in that world that really kind of brought together all the things I'd always wanted to do with it. And I finally got the chance, and this is the, this book is the result. And this is, we're calling a young adult fantasy novel. That's right, yes. Okay. And I, I swear to God I'm going to get this right. <laughs> Eventually, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janice. Yep. The Witch's Kitchen. This is the... Story of a girl who thinks she can, who wants to get things to work right. Actually, it's the story of a girl who thinks she can't. And that's kind of the point of the story, is that she's been convinced over time that she cannot do what she needs to do. And then she goes and does it anyway. Okay, so where did this story come from for you? Oh, God, this is unbearably cute. Seriously. (laughs) Really, really is. Uh, I have two daughters. They are now 12 and 9. And when my 9-year-old was 6, she asked me as a Christmas present to write her a story with fairies and unicorns. Seriously. Now, 
I, I went to MIT. I worked on plasma fusion generators, and this was not at all the sort of thing that I envisioned writing. But I thought, okay, you know, I'll write her a 10-page story, and, and that'll be my Christmas present. And I got 20 pages into it, and it wasn't done. And I got 50 pages into it, and it wasn't done. And I got 100 pages into it, and I was like, this is a novel. I don't know where this novel came from, but it fell on my head. And, and I just... I had to finish it. So I ended up finishing it in March for her birthday. <laughs> and okay. that was the first draft. It took me three months to write. Um, no, four months to write. So, um, so it, was a, it was a story written for my daughter uh, and also for my older daughter. So she told me fairies and unicorns. So I'm like, okay, great. A couple of days later, my older daughter was baking a cake. And, you know, she's 10 years old at this point nine years old at this point. And my daughter loves to bake cakes, but she doesn't like recipes. She just gets all the ingredients and she starts putting them together. And sometimes they are amazing. They really amazing. And sometimes they are horrible. Like the time when she mistook salt for sugar. And yeah, that was really, really bad, but she loves doing this. She's been doing this. She was, since she was like six, and she just bakes stuff. And I sat there going, wouldn't it be funny if there were a character who was a witch, but instead of being able to do magic, all she wants to do is bake stuff. And that was the idea. And it just grew from there. And you, excuse me, and you incorporated kind of both your daughters into this as part of the process. They are certainly influences. I wouldn't say that any one character in there is my daughter, um, but there are aspects of both of my daughters in the characters. And this is your first actual novel. Yeah, this is my first actual novel. <laughs> I, I had no idea what I was doing, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> kind of the way it happens the first time around. Yeah, apparently so. So how... What what kind of since you didn't have a writing process at that point, uh, how did you do it? Um, I followed Jane Yolen's advice, uh, which is butt in chair. I just sat and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote the first draft, and then I uh, went to the uh, New England Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators conference because I realized that I seriously needed help and I didn't know what I was doing. And the conference was phenomenal. They have wonderful workshops. They gave me great ideas. I met a fabulous group of people in my area and we formed a critique group. And so we've been exchanging chapters of our work uh, back and forth and improving each other's work. But I think the most pivotal thing for me was that uh, there's a contest every year at the conference called Pitchapalooza. And what you do is you go up and you stand in front of a panel of five judges, and they are all agents and editors. And you have one minute to pitch your novel. And, oh, did I mention that you also do this with an audience of about 300 people? Oh. So, so no pressure. No pressure. Oh, none at all. <laughs> I had never been to a Pitchapalooza. I had never seen a Pitchapalooza. I had only pitched once ever kind of and I had just come out of a uh, query critique session with an agent and so I was sitting on the floor frantically scribbling over this thing and changing everything and they called my name 
And so I stood up and my knees were jello. They were just complete mush. And I got up to the podium and I looked out the audience and I pitched it and I won. Wow. Uh, yes. Wow. It, it, I, I, I didn't sleep that night. I was so shocked. And uh, so what I won was a consultation with an agent. And they gave me a lot of advice. And they kind of held my hand through the entire process of finishing the novel and getting it sold. And, and here I am. And here you are. Okay, so a personal question very quickly. Where did, why is this published under the nom de plume? Diana Sanchez. Uh, Diana Sanchez. Uh, that's a great question. So Diana is my middle name, and Sanchez is my mother's maiden name. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. You would not guess that from Jenny Saminoff. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, it's awfully tempting to keep Jenny Saminoff as the name that I put on the spine of the book. My, my clarion classmates are like, no, you can't use a pen name. It sounds like Asimov. It'll go on the shelf next to Asimov's books. And it has Amino in it. You've got to use it. But here's the thing. Growing up, I'm reading science fiction and fantasy. I'm looking at the spines of books. And there are no Hispanic names on those spines. And I'm looking inside the books, and there are no Hispanic characters inside those books. And so I never consciously thought this, but the back of my head says, oh, science fiction is a white guy's thing. A white guy's thing, yeah. Well, at that point, actually, there were some great women writers out there. I was reading Ursula Le Guin and Marion Zimmer Bradley and and, – and McCaffrey and Tamora Pierce. Uh, so, and Andre Norton was fabulous. Uh, but, but mostly just this, you, you have to be white to write this. And it didn't really even occur to me until I got to college and I discovered that there are black science fiction writers like Octavia Butler and Chip Delaney uh, that I started going, well, wait a second. Why are there no Hispanic science fiction writers? And I discovered that they are, except that then it's called magic realism. <laughs> and, mm. and so, you know, even when I was at Clarion, I was thinking this needs to change. We need to see Hispanic names on books. You know, I want Can't my possibly hurt. Yeah, absolutely. I want my children to see Hispanic names on books. So that's why I chose to have the pen name. That's a great story. <laughs> that's that, that's an absolutely great story. Um, now, Susan, uh, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you've been writing short stories and novels for a while. That yeah, that has actually happened. It's true. Um, <laughs> my first book came out in 2011, but I actually wrote it back in 2004. Uh, so, and that was that was Broken, which was the first uh, Extra Human Union book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've this, which this is awesome, be, by the way. No, the whole series is awesome. This will be my oh god, one, two, three, four, five, seventh. I think it is. Um, maybe I can't, I can't remember. Uh, six, seven, something like that. Um, yeah, and it's it, there. There's there's been quite a number, quite a number of them, and it, it's always exciting and, and weird and strange. Each book has its own weird story about how it how it came to be and how you know you hook up with different presses and go here and there. But yeah, it's it's always it's always exciting though. What's what started you? What led you down this garden path? What to writing? Yeah, 
this is something I wanted to do my entire life. Uh, I'd always told stories to myself and I'd always written them down. Um, I was very lucky. I had people who encouraged me. Uh, my mother always encouraged me. I had teachers who encouraged me to write. I didn't really get around to doing it until I was uh, well out of college and um, and until I was really in my 30s, I didn't really get serious about it. But I was very lucky to have a lot of encouragement in my life. So it's something that I always wanted to do. And once I finally started doing it, it felt like it was the the most natural and right thing for me in the world. What was it about science fiction that, that caught you? I was a giant nerd when I was a kid. Oh, God bless you. Yes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and, of course, I grew up on Star Wars, and I grew up on Star Trek The Next Generation, favorite show. Um, I grew up on Babylon 5. And, of course, I grew up reading all kinds of science fiction and fantasy. Um, some of my favorite books were things like Robin McKinley's Blue Sword, which was a huge favorite of mine. Uh, I read Asimov backwards and forwards. I actually tried to reread it now and never go back and read your childhood favorites because they never quite... Asimov is not good when you get older. If you, no, if you no. really enjoyed him when you were younger. Yeah, Heinlein, on the That's other hand... Yeah. I will say I reread The Blue Sword at least once every couple of years, and that one for me does hold up. That does hold up. Yeah, the hero in the crowd holds amazing. up better but the blue sword does hold up they're both fantastic yeah so that's yeah i've I've always been reading that kind of stuff ever since ever since i was a kid i've always wanted to read and devour science fiction and fantasy stuff so it's just part of who i am at this point i don't think i could write anything else Uh, I'm enthralled by both of you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've got like half a dozen questions, and they're all half-formed. So, Screw it. Let's talk about uh, how you guys got together in a Kickstarter with two books that don't really go together other than they're incredibly well-written. How did, how did that all happen? Well, um, I hooked up with Dreaming Robot Press after a very, very long search for a home for this, this particular book. Uh, Demon Girl Song was actually finished. At least the first drafts of it were finished in early 2012, 2013. Um, and I sent it everywhere and got zillions of rejections because that's, that's what happens. Um, there were some fairly large flaws with the book that I did manage to correct over time after a lot of people gave me advice. But I did kind of put it on a shelf for a while until I saw that there was this small press, Dreaming Robot Press, that was interested in books like the type that I was writing. And so I sent it off, and I was very lucky that they picked it up. Um, the Kickstarter came about. They actually said to me, we're going to do a Kickstarter for this. And, and immediately I thought, oh, no, because I have been part of book Kickstarters before, especially for small presses, and sometimes they're just they're so they're, difficult. No, they're never fun. Sometimes no. they're almost palatable but they're never fun There's no, no they're, they're excruciating it. and if it's your work that's being kickstarted and a small press kickstarter and you're trying to raise some small sum like 500 bucks and you stay still stuck on 450 when the thing's almost over it's just excruciating and i thought <laughs> oh no here we go again uh but then they said 
You know, what we want to do is we want to have, um, we want to pair you with somebody else. And I thought, oh, that's such a great idea. Because then it's not just me and my book, uh, but we can sell all kinds of different things and draw different people in, expand our audience, um, and we can play off each other and have fun. Exactly. And that actually works out pretty well because Ginny's is awesome. And the Kickstarter, <laughs> no, it's true, you are. And the Kickstarter launch was a lot of fun. We did it. We had a Kickstarter launch party on Facebook, something I had never done before. And it was a great deal of fun having the two of us there um, to go back and forth. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how it started. And how, how were you drawn into it, uh, Janice? Um, well, again, I was drawn into it by my kids, oddly enough. Um, I went to Aresia, which is a very large science fiction convention in Boston. And I brought my kids for the first time. And surprise, surprise, I ran into all of these friends uh, who I had not seen forever because we had all had kids and stopped having social lives. And now our kids were old <laughs> enough that we could drop them off in the kid track and go in and have fun. Uh, and so I started talking to God them. Thank God there is a kid track. Oh, God, yes. And it's a wonderful, wonderful kid track, too. Because you don't but- want kids on the main floor. Uh, well, not uh, yeah. <laughs> Next, well, one of mine is old enough to just go where she will. But here's the thing: she's also old enough that she found on her own Harry Potter fan fiction, and so really, oh we have sat her down and had the discussion. Yes. People do really strange things, and here's some of why, and here's what you need, need to be careful with, because there's no way we can police her 24 hours a day. And I say this being married to a, a serious sysadmin who, who has created this portal software so that he can shut on and off the internet for each computer in the house individually, so he really can control it. But she'll tell oh. us, I'm going on Khan Academy, and the next thing I know, it's Harry Potter fan fiction. So I started talking to other parents about this saying, I've got a, a, a nine-year-old who's re- reading all of Harry Potter, but she can't get through the last book because it is so damn scary. Why is there not more fiction out there for kids who are advanced readers? Why is there not more science fiction for yeah, kids? Yeah, god damn it. Advanced reading kids need more books. That's right. They, they do, actually. I, this has been a topic at SCBWI conferences recently. There's actually a real need for it. Well, as a friend of as mine a said... As librarian, I can tell you that, yes, because there's a ton of focus on reluctant readers, but not a lot on advanced readers. Right? I, and this is why my 12-year-old is stealing Joe Haldeman novels off my shelves. I definitely uh, can't do that. All, yes. No. Yes. All my no, favorite books. My mom may have found me at 10 trying to work my way through the color purple. (laughs) Oh, fun. Yeah. Whoopsies. We had to have a serious conversation, and then a bunch of books disappeared for a long time. So when I was, like, 11, I wrote an Anne McCaffrey novel. Okay, so I guess I have written a novel before. It was only 40 pages long. And it had a mating flight in it. And my mother typed it up for me for school. And she started asking me very interesting questions halfway through. Like, so does this mean they're married? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. If if it makes you feel better than to think that, sure. sure. We'll call it that. No problem. (laughs) So let me rope this back to Dream Robot. They're dragons. What does it matter? Exactly. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, Jeez. I 
read into her. And you really should not be muted when you're cackling that loud. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's dying the... in the other room. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I tried to bring this back and actually answer the question you asked me. Uh, so I read it's okay. You don't actually have to. But go on. <laughs> oh, come on, come on! I can't let that go. No, um, I talked to a friend and said. We need science fiction for kids. I'm thinking about starting a magazine because I'm insane. And she said, well, wait, there's this great anthology that you should read. And she pointed me at the Young Explorer's Adventure Guide. Uh It's an anthology that Dreaming Robot Press puts out every year. And it's science fiction short stories for kids. And they're great. They're written by people like Nancy Cress and Beth Cato. And, And they're... You pick it up and you cannot put it down. It's There's nothing else like it out there, and I love it. And so I'm reading this and going, oh, you know what? I should send them a short story for their next anthology. And then I saw this little note at the bottom of the webpage saying, by the way, if you have a novel, we'd like to see it. And I thought, oh, what the hell? And I sent it to them. And they bought it. So that's how I found Dreaming Robot Press and how I ended up on this Kickstarter with Susan. So let's talk about the Kickstarter itself. You two are eloquent and energetic, and a Kickstarter will just beat that out of you. <laughs> um, how, how's it been? Well, it's, it's gone really well so yeah. far. Surprisingly so. We funded in the first seven hours. Nice. Yeah, funded during the launch party. Who knew? It, it was awesome. I broke out the champagne. I did not break out the champagne, but I probably <laughs> should have. All right. I broke out the virtual champagne. I, I put up a nice little gif on the Facebook party saying, look, champagne, we win. Yay. Uh, but yeah, it's actually been going really well. We got a little bit of a boost today because we got placed on, uh, we got posted on Boing Boing, yeah. which is kind of nice. It's very nice. But, you know, I'm I'm watching the counter, waiting for it to turn over to exactly twice the goal, and it hasn't quite reached it. No, it's still sitting there at that just almost there stuff. I think the worst part of this is having the self-restraint to not check the Kickstarter every 10 seconds. No, sorry. that Nobody <laughs> has that. I, no, you have to check. You check it after it's over, too. It's It's terrible. Yeah, you really do. Because of this habit. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where mine sat for two days and didn't move, and I thought I was going to die. But, you know, we do oh, what we need to do. I helped with a Kickstarter like that, and it was just tragic. It was awful. It was such a great product, too, and it just got no traction. It was, it was awful. Kickstarter is all about luck. I mean, they say there's so the skill to it. There's things you can do. No, it's 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 if, if you can get noticed, and that's that's yeah. a lot of luck. Yeah. So we have these two books. They are going to be funded uh, in two weeks. No, next yeah, two weeks. And uh, what's going on with you guys after that sleep lots and lots of sleep <laughs> oh, <laughs> it. No. Be, yeah go ahead well i was gonna say then we have to come up with all of the stretch goals that we've met <laughs> yeah that's always fun isn't it yeah 
Yeah. For me, it's going to be nothing but editing. I've got I've got a book on deadline. Um, I just I, I've got so much to do this this year. Uh, my Extra Human Union series is actually being reprinted by Booksmugglers Publishing. So the Ooh. first three are getting reprinted, um, and then the fourth one, which is new, comes out in December. And then this book is coming out too. So this is my year of five books. Um, <sighs> yeah, no, this is never. Next year has got nothing. Um, <laughs> so, I, I'm hey, just going to calling you John Scalzi. Oh God, um, <laughs> I don't know how he does it. But yeah, so this this year you'll have way too much of me, and then next year will be just a lot of radio silence, I think. But that's that's what I'm going to be busy doing is is just getting all that stuff ready for the next book to come out in June, and then for for Demon Girl Song it's September, and it's just going to be a big mess. So that's what I'm doing. Well, cool. That all that means is you've got more stuff to promote, and we we can have you back. Oh, I should come back. Which, yeah, well, yeah, I'm kind of thinking that my own self. Mm. Uh, There are very few times when I have an an interview like this planned out, and I don't have a way to close it, because I don't have a way to close this one, ladies. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun because these books, um, none of them are aimed at me, and I'm enjoying reading both of them. Uh, none of them are my particular cup of genre, and they're fun to read, they're intelligent, they're well-written, and, uh, you know, if, if the listeners have some time, they'd like to double their goal, check out the Kickstarter. We'll link the Kickstarter to this, uh, so that y'all can take a look at it. Um, it's Janice... Aronoff and, and Susan Jane Bigelow. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks Thank for having you. us. And you're welcome to stay and listen to us bitch about the news and join in about that because there hasn't been much news this week. But let's do the news. So, like, there isn't really all that much news this week. There's no question about it because... Uh, the the blockbuster Captain America Uncivil Wars is is opening this week and nobody wants to open against it and it's probably a good thing for them. So uh, even talk about other movies and other stuff. There's not much happening. Uh, Kriana wanted to talk about something. No, <laughs> no I didn't. What yeah, you're did. thinking of. I really don't want to talk. You, you, about you it. put it. You put it right on the show post. No, no, no. That was for that was for Zombarian. I want to talk about this. Well, you Zomper. can. And Zombrian wants to talk about it too, don't you? Well, you guys can. I'm, I have no opinion what? on anything. I'm still, I'm still laughing at having your mom type up it. <laughs> <laughs> she was, she was such a great mom. Seriously, I, I, I'm amazed at all that she put up with with me. She introduced me to Ray Bradbury. I mean. How can you ask more than that? Yeah, my dad introduced me to uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. I missed it because I was laughing too hard. How did your teacher react? My teacher was actually totally cool with it. Uh, Actually, her main criticism was that my illustrations weren't good enough. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) 
was a mean teacher. (laughs) No, actually, she then took me aside and gave me, like, lessons in how to draw better. (laughs) Still still. kind of feels like a dick move, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because when somebody shows me a book and then then they ask the real question, do you know an artist who can do the illustrations for this? Uh, I mean, you know, and yeah, we 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 know a bunch of. There's there's one writer I know who's also a really really good illustrator, but for him, the the focus is so deep that he has to focus on one or the other. So I I don't yeah. I don't know how a writer can do that. Carefully. Slowly. I have a friend who's a graphic novelist, and he really does have to just sit down and plot out the entire script. He has to write the entire script first, and then he can illustrate it. And sometimes tweaking goes on in between, but really he has to do them completely separately. Yeah. That's a completely different skill set. That takes a lot of talent and patience. It sure does. It's... uh... It's one of the scariest things to try and do. I don't know. You want to talk about anything? I mean, LeBron James is going to be doing Space Jam 2. Oh, God. I can't can't care about that. I'm so excited. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. You know what my my big hope is, though? My biggest hope is that Charles Barkley is in this one, too, because he still does commentary for ESPN. And let me tell you, Charles Barkley was one of the best things about Space Jam. Like, Charles Barkley really did enjoy being in that movie, and you could tell. He's definitely one of the funniest guys doing NBA commentary. There's no question about that. He's dedicated to anything he does, don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I'm old enough to remember when he actually played basketball. I am too. <laughs> I am too, but I didn't care. Also, my well, my gym teacher when I was having a lot of trouble with basketball because it turns out that I was nearsighted and you know not ever going to be taller than five one. <laughs> told me that if Charles Barkley could play basketball, then I could play basketball and to quit whining. But somehow I did not hold that against Charles Barkley. I was going to say, was that actually true? Um, I could not play basketball. <laughs> okay, just checking. Just checking. Um, let me see. What else? Uh... We could talk about the Locust Awards. Do we care about that? Ooh, awards that aren't contentious. <gasps> awards what? that are actually fair and, and equitable. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, the only thing that I saw on those, there's a lot of actually some very good stuff nominated. There was a minor kerfuffle over the fact that I believe it was the the YA category, actually, where they um, they didn't nominate any women at all. It's, it's all men, and, and two of them are Joe Abercrombie, and I don't understand that. Um but two of my favorite, favorite short stories got nominated. Um, Aliette de Bodard's uh, Three Cups of Grief by Starlight. And um, what was the other one? It was Amal Amaltar's, um, and I'm sure I just butchered her name. I'm really sorry, Amal. Um, her her great story, Madeleine. Both of them are really, really good. Ooh. If you like good short stories, 
Go check out the list from the Locus Awards uh, shortlist. That's just not the actual awards, it's just a shortlist uh, that came out this week. Go check yep. it out, because it's actually really good. I'm uh, looking at it. It is a nice, nice it, list. There's yes, some yes. very cool stuff there. Yeah, Joanne. Okay, Brock wait a now. second. So the young adult category has no women in it. I noticed. I was just about but to say But the fantasy that. novel has no men. It's all women all across the board, and yet no one's complaining about that. Well, that's because women are the oppressed party in this situation. Okay. You said okay yeah. like you don't understand what I mean. Well, I'm not Just, getting involved I, in this one. <laughs> do, you, do you actually not understand what I mean? Because No, I totally do understand what you mean. I just am shocked that no one else tried to make the argument. Oh, sure, oh. Yeah, sure. Usually they are assholes about it. Yes. Sad yes. puppy. Excellent point. Yes. I, I thought you were a sad puppy for a second, and I was like... Oh, oh God, no. I was, like, doing like, the frog thing where I was puffing up, getting ready to explain to oh, you exactly no. why it's not a problem, but... Yeah, okay, okay. No, we straight You're there with us. We, we got it. We, okay, we're good. We're good. Stand down. <laughs> I can complain. I'm doing, I'm doing deep breathing. One, we'll and, like, stand down. Relaxing. Deep breaths. It's good. Okay. You're good. All right. Everyone's fine. Celebrating's fine. Everyone's okay. Good. Wow, something's exploding outside the area 51. Seriously? What was yeah. that? I have no idea, but it Did sounds Did seriously explode? Cuz that'd uh, be cool. E- either that or or the the neighbors are blowing off fireworks. Uh, again. Because it's May the 4th. It's May 4th. Oh, my neighbors were blowing off fireworks last week. Something about something about New England and it's almost kind of spring makes people want to set off fireworks. I have no idea why. <laughs> I don't know. I understand why I either, but you know what? Whatever. Whatever it takes. You know what? It's cleared enough and you can get to New Hampshire. And you can blow yeah. stuff up. And buy stuff to blow up. Yeah, yeah. You can actually do that. <laughs> Um, you know what? I'm not going to sully this up by trying to find stuff to talk about because, uh, this is the natural ending. This is, this has been really fun talking to you guys and uh, you're both in your own right, very different, very interesting individuals. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having us. It was great. Thank you. Janice Amanoff, Susan Jane Bigelow. Kickstarters together for no apparent reason. The Witch's Kitchen and the Demon Girl Song. Really cool books. It'll be linked up and uh, check it out. Kriana, you want to do the coming up calendar or is that me as well? Uh, I could do that. I think what? there is one. Is there one? And in fact, there is. I, I'm going to go look right now. Eventually. Right now. Unless you have it up, in which case you should just do it. I do have it up, actually. Well, then you should just do it because okay, so why it's taking a minute to load. <clears throat> Because you stream is fun times. Mm-hmm. Do I hear any music? Uh, no. Okay. okay. Do you want music? Sure, that'd be nice. What the hell? Let's okay. pretend we actually have a professional organization. Thank you. Next week, Dan Kane comes in to talk about his horror writings and his friend G. Daniel Gunn. We'll find out that they're exactly the same person. 
The following week on the 21st, Mike Mitchell of Mitchell Comics and Zombie Sub 920 comes in to discuss his new comics and true events of UFO sightings in Exeter, New Hampshire, Wink Wink, Nudge Nudge, and The Flight of Freedom 7 with Alan Shepard. On May 28th, Jacqueline Duke drops by to discuss her two books, The Demonic Eyes and Bloody Nightmares, and what it was like to start writing her first book, over again. And on June 4th, it's Gary Summers. And you know what that means? It means Hawaiian shirts and Northeast Comic Con. Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and KarmicArthouse.com. is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their groups on lawrencemademecry.com and check out their new album. It's freaking amazing. I want to thank our guests tonight, and I want to thank the gang for coming in and talking with us. Time Warp, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Diana, and the woman of words on brand. Thank you so much, ladies. That's what she said. Many times, actually. I want to thank Java for dropping by just long enough to say, uh, can't do the show tonight. Got to give them a break and take care of the little bean. Not a problem, Java. We'll see you next week. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Oh, I know.